Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Selena. Hey, Bola. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I am so excited to have you on here as a guest because you have such an amazing story to share with us. So today we're going to be talking about your journey from overcoming $35,000 in debt after a broken engagement. So before we get into the story of what happened to your relationship, how you overcame the debt, how you saved $15,000 after you paid off your debt, I would love for you to tell everyone who you are and what you do. Well, thank you for having me on here. I've been very excited. I've been an avid listener for at least six years now. So (laughs) come on. Thank Um, you so much. (laughs) So my name is Selena Wiseman. I am the training and onboard manager for Century 21 and Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate in Australasia. I'm based in Queensland, Australia, so a little bit away from from you, Bola. I've been doing that for a little bit over a year now, but I've been in the real estate industry uh, since I was very young. It was one of my first jobs. And yeah, that's pretty much me. Work is is most of my life. I also run a business as well, which I'm sure we'll uh, get a chance to talk about a little bit later, but essentially is a virtual assistant business called the Admin Squad. We're very niche and we do a lot in the real estate realm as well. That is amazing. And congratulations, first of all, on all of your success since your experience. And thank you so much for being a listener of the podcast. I always love it when I get a chance to speak with amazing women like you who listen to the podcast and who have incredible stories to share to also now empower and motivate other listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you. So let's, let's dive in. And prior to us recording, one of the things that you had mentioned when you had sent over your story was that you had started a new job and your fiance, who you had been with for six years, told you he was no longer in love with you anymore. I'd love for you to kind of start from there and tell us where you were financially, what that experience was like, how that impacted you and what the aftermath like the day after, look like for you emotionally and financially? Yeah, so 2022 was a really, really crazy year for me. I had previously been employed by the same employer for about seven years. I left that job in 
December of 2021, because I was suffering really badly from from burnout. I, for the first time in my entire working life, I was jobless. I started my business then and just had a couple of clients and I was kind of making my way through. The job that I currently have came up through a mutual connection in in real estate that I have. And it it was something that I was so excited to take on. The day that I had my first interview for the job, I actually was roller skating and broke my arm. So this was even before the breakup. So 2022 was not off to a great start. In the lead up to February 1st, which is like when I essentially got dumped, I really did a lot of self changes realistically. I obviously left that job. A lot of my comfort zone things had had kind of been ripped out from under me. And I chose to to do that carpet pulling in that regard. In terms of finances, this is where it started to get really tricky. My partner at the time and I had been together for, for six years. We'd been together since we were 18. So we were really, really young and pretty much From the time that we got together to the time that we parted, we had next to no savings. I think probably the most I'd ever gotten saved in that six years was maybe six or seven hundred dollars, which is next to nothing in the grand scheme of things. And constantly, as soon as an emergency popped up, we leveraged more and more debt to do so. Because I was in a salary job, I was the one leveraging the majority of that debt in my name because he did not have a salary job. He was on hourly rate. He works in the construction industry. So there was mistake number one, was putting a heap of debt in my name. Then came the 1st of, of February. It was the very first day at my new job. I He came home and pretty much said, hey, look, I'm not in love with you anymore. And it was very shocking. It was very left of field. It was something really funny where I'd, I'd actually spoken to a family member about week, uh, a couple of days prior and said, look, he just he's just been acting funny for a week. Something's up, not really sure. And then I was kind of blindsided with, with a breakup. From there, it then kind of was crazy. My my next few days were orientation at a new job. So I was already in this place of being really scared and not knowing what was going on and getting used to a new role and trying to excel in that and also run my business. And also in between all of my meetings and all the rest of it, I would just like break down and cry because I just didn't know what to do with all the extra emotion that I had. And it was something that for six years, and at the time I was 24, it was a quarter of my life had had been living with this man. And just knowing that my next few months were going to be completely different was really, really scary. The other problems that I face in in that situation is we were renting. So we're on a lease together. We were actually renting his mother's house. So even though at that time, I was actually the one making all the rent payments because I had a regular pay and I was covering all the bills. I knew that I was the one who was going to have to move out because whose mother would kick their son out you know what I mean yeah so it was it was that this looking at going oh my god I need to to move out I've absolutely no savings I'm the one who's paying all the bills 
And also then sitting there going like, if if I move out and he doesn't start paying the rent here, I'm still on the lease, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for not paying the rent. And those sorts of things start to become this like whirlwind of additional problems. So after I think the initial Band-Aid was ripped off, I kind of just went into this overdrive panic mode of, I need to get out of here as soon as possible. I need to get off the lease and I need to get into my own place. I I will say, whilst I didn't have savings, which is second mistake in this regard, I was very, very fortunate. My mother fronted me $5,000 to be able to get into a new place in which I paid that back really quickly. I love my mom to pieces. However, I don't ever want there to be money owing to my mom any reasons but that was something that again that just added to to the debt so I think I was about $29,000 in debt before I left and that was in credit cards and personal loans and car notes and then put on another $5,000 in a if interest-free but maybe not interest-free in terms of dealing with a personal relationship and the strain that that can put on as yeah. well. Wow. Um, so it, that was a lot. And that was in a very, very short period of time. <laughs> that is, wow, that is quite a story. You know, when you start out a new year, you have all these expectations, right? But you started the year burnt out. You didn't have a job. You broke your arm. <laughs> no savings. And then getting a new job the second month of the year, your fiance tells you, you know what, it's over. And then I can't, I just can't imagine like, well, I've been through heartbreak before, so I can't imagine how you felt, but just all of that at once is a lot. And I can imagine that mentally and emotionally that must have taken a significant toll on you. Cause you talked about uh, crying during your breaks in between meetings at your new job, starting a new job, right? Something like that could really impact your performance and other people were looking at you. Why are her eyes red? What's happening to her? <laughs> Do you have personal issues in her life, you know? So that's, that's quite the story. And you talk about the mistakes that you had. So you were the one that was pretty much supporting your relationship financially. You were the one that was paying most of the bills. You both didn't have savings and then would have to rely on credit in your name to cover mm-hmm. emergencies. I will say that his mother was smart in the sense that she made you guys sign a lease. <laughs> well, on that, actually, she, she originally didn't. I was the one who forced that. Oh, because so you, oh yeah. <laughs> I want to be protected. Uh, and look, there's there's a lot of different real estate laws here here in Australia. But and there was something that with that is like I just want to ensure that she can't just like come into my home whenever she Good, chose. Yes. And part of that was why we got the lease signed. So and again, if and with this, just a little tip to anyone: if you are renting from family or friends, most states and countries have like a blank lease agreement that is a fully legally binding document go and download it and please sign it and actually use that to your benefit. It also helps when you're going to like buy a property or whatever to have something in place that says you're actually leasing this property and it's not just, you know, you're boarding with your mom. Yeah, there are lots of, I agree with you and that's very smart. So it wasn't his mom, it was you. <laughs> you mm, yeah. <laughs> At least that was one good thing that you need, right? Because she couldn't have just walked into the apartment. Well, my son broke up with you today. Pack your stuff, get out. There was a legal document that said, okay, you have time to move 
etc. And I like that you shared that tip. So for those of you listening, if you're in the U.S., just search lease by your state, whatever state you're in, and then you'll find a bunch of different options that you can review and even have an attorney review for you as well. So yeah. you are now in the aftermath of this breakup. Your mom has loaned you $5,000. You now have a total of $35,000 in debt, credit cards, mm-hmm. personal loan, a car note, your mom's bill you have to pay. What did recovery look like for you? What were the first steps you had to take to get back on your feet and out of your debt? I know you mentioned that your mom loaned you that money so you could move, right? But once you moved, what were the first steps you took to pay that debt off? Because we're talking about 2022. It's 2023 now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you have paid off your debt. So (laughs) this is just a few months ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So tell me, What did you, what did you, what was the first step for recovery for you? Because I know there's somebody listening to this who maybe it's not their partner that wants to leave. They want to leave, but they need a plan and a strategy. So I'd love for you to walk us through what you did to get back on your feet and then start paying off that debt. So obviously the first step was, was finding a new place. I I work from home. So I, I felt like additionally I needed to get out quicker than than the average person may do our, our split was relatively amicable so I my my advice would be a little bit different if you're in a situation that was like potentially violent or or not going to be as amicable as what what my separation was with with that I I've always had a really strong work ethic which hence hence why I ended up with burnout to to combat the emotional drowning from from that and all the other things going on, I really threw myself into work. New role meant a heap new jobs that I had to learn. Whilst I, same industry, had a lot of knowledge base, I kind of also needed to prove myself as well and ensure that, you know, they'd hired the right person. So threw myself into work. The next thing I did was also throw myself into my business as well. Within about two months, I had attained another three clients within my business. And because my my business is quite niche, the, the amount that I'm able to charge is typically either by hour or per job. And it, realistically, in some of these cases, we're talking uh, thousands of dollars. So again, this is something that's very niche to me over a career that I've built since uh, I, I was very young in real estate and a skill set that I have there and, and connections that I can leverage within my network to, to build my business. With that, though, it was because I was working all the time and in all honesty, I wasn't sleeping a lot because I just couldn't. I didn't really have a huge amount of time to do much else. So I very quickly went from working a 40 hour week within the first couple of weeks to then working close to 80 or 100 hours. I would sign on at seven in the morning, sign off at you know six or seven from my day job. And then I would go straight into my business and work until you know one or two in the morning, just slamming out work in that regard. So it was for all intents and purposes, just slogging the hours out. I'm really, really lucky here. Here in Australia, it's not like you, New York where you don't really have kitchens and stuff like that. So most of my meals I, I cooked at home. I was able to secure a quite cheap rental. And I did that by choice because I, I knew that 
I needed to tackle that debt. I was almost certain that he, even though he said he would pay me back a certain amount of, of the debt, I think it was about eight grand, I knew that he wouldn't. And and yeah. and still to this day have not been paid back any of, of that money. And I've kind of just let it go. You know, it's it's not worth my time chasing it. And and realistically, I I was the one who signed the paperwork. I knew what I was getting into when I signed it. So I can have no one to blame but myself. So I was the one who needed to to pay it off. So essentially, and I, I'll disclose like what my, my earnings are so that everyone can kind of get a, a good sense there. So typically from my, my normal day job, I'm on a salaried $80,000 per year. This is before tax here in Australia. So typically I pay about uh, seventeen dollars to $20,000 of tax on that. So my take-home earnings. Yeah, yeah. So my, my take-home earnings are about $5,100 per month. That was the other thing, moving over into corporate real estate, I went from getting paid fortnightly to monthly. So my need to budget changed overnight to having to now pay everything monthly. It really changes your perspective on how much money you have in your account. Simply with budgeting, I have a very simple Google sheet. It just calculates the totals. We start with pay in and pay out. All of my living expenses, I only calculate on my secured income. I I know that I'm going to get that $5,100 every single month. Everything else on top of that, so any money that comes in from my business, at the time just went to paying down debt. I My choice then was to snowball it. So I started with my smallest debts first and and moved up to, to my biggest ones. Now, with that as well, like I, there was, I think in, I, I didn't exactly start with the the very smallest because I had some that may have been a bit small. I, I started with a debt that annoyed me the most as well, which was mm-hmm. specifically <laughs> my credit card. My credit card annoyed me so much. It was like a $2,000 credit card, but I'm not a credit card person. Like I just, I can't, like maybe now that I've, I've got a lot more financial discipline, I could, but if there was money on it, I was just going to spend it, even though I had other money that I could have used to, to spend at that point. So it realistically was just a snowball of that. And I stuck to that budget. And it it's just that like superior, like parenting of yourself of going, no, I can't go out again. Like I don't drink as well. So it, it's easy for me to say no to a lot of like outings and stuff like that. And those expensive nights out, but even still going out for for breakfast or lunch with friends, like it's just a like, oh, do you want to come over to my place and I'll make you breakfast? Because that's going to cost me 20 bucks and you guys can all chip in instead of costing me like 60 bucks. And just making those choices that this was realistically what I wanted. Because not only was I being kept up at night by the fact that I was just sad, I was also getting kept up at night by the fact that I had $35,000 in crappy debt. Like it's not like I owned a house. It was just debt that I like I could not even tell you other than my car what that debt was spent on, in all honesty. Like I just I could not tell you. you and, know, and that's also yeah. scary. 
I have to commend you though, you know, because you you were making a good income right at your full time job, and um, you're making about sixty one thousand two hundred after taxes. That was your fifty one hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. and you know, there are people out there who would not bother with a business or a side hustle or a part time job to try to accelerate paying off their debt because you know what, well, you're comfortable making fifty one hundred dollars, right? <laughs> you did that so that's definitely something that I commend you for and the fact that you are working so hard 80 to 100 hours every week is is no joke I've been there (laughs) and I guess for you it's also like a coping it was like a coping mechanism and so you you were spending less time thinking about the awful situation the end of the relationship and just instead you're occupying yourself with working from seven to seven and then getting home and then or, or turning on your work computer and then working from you know, till till one or two a.m. in the morning, and I love that you were intentional about wanting to pay off your debt because you did this in about a year, I think, and that meant that the cheaper rental, it meant cooking your food at home, it meant being mindful of spending when you were out with your friends, and you know, for those of you listening, this is just a reminder that with with discipline, with intention over the short term, you can accomplish more than you think. You can accomplish so much, right? Because if you were to sit back and think about it, $35,000 is over half of your annual income from your full-time job. If you were thinking from a scarcity perspective, you would be like, how am I ever going to spend, how am I ever going to pay back $35,000 when I only make Sixty-one thousand a year after taxes because I have to pay rent, I have to buy food, have to pay for insurance, have to pay for my car. This, that. like, there are so many excuses that you can come up with, right? Mm-hmm. If you were thinking in a different way. So I love the fact that you use the breakup as fuel, the annoyance, the anger, the all the emotions, and you rolled it into something positive for yourself. I love that. And you also talked about having a simple budget, which is which is great, right? And we talk a lot about budgeting on the podcast. We've had very recently a lot of budgeting episodes where, mm-hmm. you know, you find a budgeting method that works for you, you leverage it and, you know, you adjust it as you go on. But by, again, like I mentioned earlier, with a little bit of discipline and with intention, you can do so much more than you expect in the short term. And you, Selena, did that in... <laughs> in a year or less. So let's keep moving along this journey because even though it's a short time frame, you're not done. So you pay off this debt. You're 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 rolling in your side hustle money to pay down this debt, starting with a debt that annoys you the most. You're doing this consistently over several months. You pay off this debt. And then you go on to save $15,000 in six months while you're building your business. How did you balance this? How did you manage this? How did you not feel like, oh my God, I've done paying my debt. I need to take a break. I need to go YOLO. How did you commit to saving that $15,000? And if you don't mind, what was your business income looking like at the time to help you save the additional money consistently? Yeah, so what what I will say within my budget, while the majority focus of anything over my living expenses was paying off debt. I always factored in at least $200 a month because I thought this is a small but reasonable amount to go into my emergency fund slash savings. So by the time it kind of got to October last year, I'd probably already had about three, like 
two, $3,000 in, in that account. Then from kind of October through to February, so it's about yeah five, five-ish months, that's when I, I saved the bulk of that, that 15000 Now from, I'm going to say probably April, May, I was on average bringing, my business was, was bringing in about $5,000 per month. Australian tax laws are, are very funny and and because I did not want to be saddled with a huge tax bill this year, I was putting away within my business account 40% of that income. And that is like just to any of the Australian girlies, if you're doing a side hustle, please at a minimum be putting at least 30 to 40% of that side hustle income away in a savings account because you don't want to be hit in July with a massive, massive tax taxes. bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it is it is based on secondary income, and it, it is a higher tax rate here in Australia. So I was aware of that, so I put more than I needed. Typically, from that, so uh, typically about thirty percent of that was for tax, and then ten percent was it for any uh, business expenses as well. So about sixty percent of of five thousand dollars a month, on average, was going into either my my debt or my my savings account there. So I think over December, because I, I take a three-week break from my normal job, my income was probably closer to eight or nine thousand dollars for for December. So I, I put a huge chunk away over Christmas, about five, five thousand dollars there. So with that it just it just grew. Like as soon as you're pretty much debt free, it, it blows your mind how quickly your savings grow. So yes. yeah, <laughs> from October. And, and with that though, I I didn't pay off all my debt in October. I still had about two thousand dollars left, which was my car loan. But because I the 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 finance agreement I had on that, it was like descending in interest. So it was it was realistically going to save me $8 if I paid it out in October, as opposed to paying it out in July this year. So I just opted to pay it out in July this year. So I'm completely debt-free now. But yeah, that was essentially how I saved it, was just continuing on that same warpath of just take all the work that I can get, take all the business I can get, and just keep saving and and keep going because I never wanted to feel how I did a like a year ago at that point where I was twelve cents in my bank account, no savings, car regos due soon. Like I don't know how I'm going to afford groceries next week. Like I don't know if we have enough dog food. Like all of those questions, I never wanted to feel that again. So it again, like once that like anger and all the rest of it stopped from the relationship it was then the exciting thing of and the pride that like oh I've done this and I'm doing this and I'm still doing this so that continued to spur me on what I I I will say on the saving money thing though was when I pretty much cleared all the rest of my debt I'd still I, I like I had like a week of like and I might have spent like maybe three or four hundred dollars in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> oh, it's like so minimal. I'm becoming debt like, free. <laughs> why not, please? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think when, like, even even beforehand, like, I didn't I didn't feel like I spent a heap of money. I just had all this debt. Like, I had so much debt that of a fortnight, I was probably paying close to $700 in debt repayments. 
So I was living frugally beforehand. I was just yeah. paying heaps of debt. Like, All your money was going to debt, yeah. All yeah. your extra money was going to paying off debt. So you couldn't even see it. You couldn't see the, the, the money you were making because it was going to pay down your debts. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes you feel sick though, doesn't it? Like, like I look at my, my banking app now and if I looked back on like my interest charges on some of that debt and like how much extra I paid over the money that I borrowed, it, it just makes me feel sick. Just so, so sick. Hmm. But the silver lining is that you did look at it and it did motivate you to want to get debt free. And you are now debt free and you gained so many lessons about yourself, about your strength, about your resilience, about what you can accomplish. So in a way, having that debt was perhaps a blessing in disguise because there were lessons that you needed to learn. And now you are here and you're 25 years old. You're so young. You know, there, there are many people who, still in later years of their life have not yet learned the lessons that you have learned or made the progress that you have you have made so don't look at those payments anymore <laughs> you're past that right look at your savings account and let that motivate you to save more and invest more and just keep the lessons throw away the mistakes and keep the lessons <laughs> is what i would say but that you know i wanted to just go back over what you said how much you were making your business that is great. $5,000 a month. You're putting aside 30 to 40% for taxes. And so you were making about six figures a year, but you were working a hundred hours a week to make this money, which is a lot. So well done for sticking to this, for being able to pay off your debt. And I also wanted to mention the tax savings rate that's recommended for business owners here as well as around 30%. So, you know, just so that you make sure that you're able to pay your tax bill, you don't have a huge burden, you put aside 30%. And in the U.S., you can pay your, your business taxes quarterly. Yep, so yep. you can kind of like pay ahead of your annual filing just so you kind of gauge not owing or maybe owing just a very minimal amount if you have a lot of profits in your business. But yeah, that is, that is congratulations. I'm I'm so proud of you that you've been able to do this. And now you're on the path to, you know, the world is your oyster at this point. You're on the path to build wealth. Like if you think about what you've done in the last year with paying off debt, imagine if you took that focus, maybe you give yourself a little bit of like leeway so you can breathe, right? But you took that focus and you put it towards saving and investing. Imagine how much money you will have saved, how much you would have invested by this time next year, by the time you're 27, by the time you're 28, by the time you're 30, Huge deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that, you know, your your former fiance said he was going to pay you back all this money and he didn't. That's, you know, that's, I would say it's not surprising in many relationships, especially. And so that leads me to my next question for you. For women who are listening to this, what would you say are some big mistakes that you would tell other women to avoid in a relationship, in a long-term relationship when it comes to money based on your own experience? I think, and some of this is my own experience given this relationship, and some of it is also just doing the, the work that I do in real estate. I, I A lot of people sell houses because they're getting divorced, right? My, my biggest tips is have the money conversation sooner. Like, 
I, I think that a lot of people don't don't realize that there is a thing called de facto relationship, which it, it obviously this isn't something in every single country, but it definitely is a thing here in Australia. A de facto relationship is essentially as good as being married if you've been in a relationship living together, and that can be proved for two years. But in some court cases, it's been as little as six months. So what I mean by like having that money conversation sooner is like and and like I've started dating since since the that relationship ended and one of my like the first date that I'm with with my partner now I laid out on our first date these are my goals in life and it was to own a house and be debt free and I explained the that I was going in a, a debt free journey and that my career is really important to me and whatnot and his response to that was so so supportive that I knew even if his goals don't match he doesn't like it doesn't bother me because he's supportive of, of what my goals are but I think just having the conversation around money debt and assets before you go, before you move in with someone is a huge deal and I think if you're having that conversation with your partner and if you're with with someone and, and married even now and you turn to your partner and say hey look this is something that's really important to me it's important to me that we become debt free and maybe you have three reasons I don't want the anxiety I, I want the freedom that we can do whatever whatever your reasons are and if they are not in that same space of a hundred percent I agree with you or I support your goal whatever it may be like I don't I don't think that you guys are the compatible pair in all honesty and and that is me saying that as you know and some people are probably going to think that that's a really harsh thing to say and like love trumps all it's it's not about that there there is within like if we we have a look at the domestic violence side of things which I, I never like talking about at length but there is part of domestic violence where it is financial control and yes that mm-hmm. is something that is a really serious problem that a lot of people don't even notice is is happening and it can be something that's a really slow creep as well so if you're not having the conversation at any point about money or who's earning it or what you're going to do with it start start there have the conversation my my other advice is also if you're coming into a relationship with assets whatever they may be whether that is jewelry cars property whatever you can still get an agreement in place before you guys start living together you will need to contact a family lawyer or family solicitor to get that in place. And it may cost you a bit of money. However, if you, especially say if you own a, own a house, a $500,000 house, and you get into a relationship with someone and you're with them for what, six years <laughs> and then they split up with you, <laughs> there is very, like, if if you guys are in a registered de facto relationship and they were really spiteful, they could come for half of the property value or increased property value in the time that they have been with you. And if your market is like Australia's market, where a $500,000 house six years ago is probably worth worth close to $2 million now because our market is crazy boomed, Mm. that is a hell of a lot of money. Half of $1.5 million that you potentially (laughs) could have avoided by spending $2,000 with a solicitor beforehand. And again, if your partner 
is like, no, I'm not going to sign that, maybe consider their intentions behind not signing it. And it's not me saying, oh, like, you know, I don't think you're going to last because it's not that at all. People's lives change all the time, all the time. And it isn't always necessarily in ways that you would expect. I, I have friends who were very happily married and the husband developed a brain tumour and it completely changed his personality. He's perfectly fine, but he is a completely different person now and they've they've since separated. But that was never within their plan that that would happen. And you know, you never know what life is going to throw at you in those regards. So it's about protecting yourself first and what is going to happen if that person is no longer in your life. And we can sit and look at it as like a really negative I, I'm a hater of romance, definitely not. Um, but it's it's, it's being realistic, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think it was is one of your very first podcast episodes. I've listened to maybe six or seven times about this specific topic on mm-hmm. talking about the conversation of money. I think it might have been like episode six or something like that, and talking about it with your partner. And and you talked about prenups, which is 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 getting more common here in Australia. But prenups are very much a term that you have before you get married, prenuptials. That same prenup conversation can be had before someone moves in with you or or before you guys, you know, get get mm-hmm. serious or, or however you want to refer to it. Or you can be like me and just lay it on first date. This is my situation. Take it or leave it, buddy. Because at that point, I didn't really care. If he didn't want to be with me, that was his problem. But he's still here. So good for him. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that money conversation is so incredibly important to have. This is not about love, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not love alone that sustains a relationship. Love is great, but couples go through phases. They fall in and out of love all the time, right? (laughs) Sometimes you love your partner, sometimes you hate them, sometimes you can't stand them, sometimes you're best friends. Love is not enough. There are many other factors that hold a relationship together beyond love. And one of them, a really big one, (laughs) is money. And so you need to have this conversation. I had this conversation with my husband when we were dating. Mm. Um, You just need to know, like, you know, what are you getting into? What do your finances look like? And it's not about the person you're with having money or you having money or you not having money, you just need to understand what is their state of mind? What are their, how do they think about finances? Are you guys going to fight about splitting the grocery bill? (laughs) Are you going to fight about who is going to pay for a childcare? Are you going to fight if someone doesn't want to save or someone doesn't want to invest or someone doesn't spend all the emergency savings? You need to have this conversation just to make sure that you're on the same page when it comes to your financial goals and the things that both of you would like to accomplish in the future. And like you said, if you guys cannot align financially, that love is not going to be enough to hold you together. And that's, you know, we see that in what the divorce rates are that are tied to money. Money is the number one or number two. I think it's number two reason outside of infidelity or irreconcilable differences. I can't pronounce that word, (laughs) but money is right up there. Money Money is right up there. And you talked about the fact of relationships in Australia. In the U.S., it's called domestic partnerships. But the rules and the, I guess, qualifications vary 
from state to state. Like there are some states where there's no specific amount of time you have to live together to be in a domestic partnership as long as, long as you meet certain criteria. There's some states where you have to have been together or lived together for six months or something, maybe a couple of years. So it varies by state. So you, you need to understand your rights or what happens if you're in a domestic partnership and understand the financial obligations. Did you buy a house together? Is the house, like you mentioned, now worth a lot more money? If you break up, what happens to the house? Should you have an agreement in place if you're the one that purchased this house and you have a ton of equity sitting in your house? And you also talked about the domestic violence aspect. Um, I recently did a video on YouTube as to how to leave an abusive relationship. And a lot mm -hmm. of times, whether it's domestic abuse, financial abuse, it's about getting control over the person and many times it's about limiting contact limit, limiting access to funds and controlling money money is a lot of times a, a underlying element that the abuser uses to control you and so if you're in that situation please contact the national domestic violence hotline the phone number is 1-800-799-7233 they're going to help you with not just physical abuse emotional abuse identity abuse all the different realms of abuse right because it's not just about somebody putting their hands and somebody that falls under abuse. Many relationships are emotionally abusive, right? Can be emotionally abusive, especially when you think about, when you think about it in that context. So take advantage of that resource. I have a couple more questions for you, Selena. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, how did you balance your emotional and mental health as you went through your financial recovery? Or how would you, what would you have done differently when it came to your emotional and mental health? Because you had to heal from this relationship, right? It wasn't just all about going to work, making money, paying bills. There was an emotional and mental aspect. So how did you navigate through it? And what advice would you give to somebody else who is kind of going through what you went through last year? Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. I, probably six months prior to our breakup, I, I remember having a conversation with my mom saying, like, I just don't think it's working. And then and she gave me a bunch of advice and, and whatnot. And I kind of, at that point, just made a decision that I wanted to stay. And I put a lot of effort into the relationship. And, and then subsequently, six months later, it ended. So when it did eventually end, I, I do think that emotionally, probably about a month after, I was like, well, this is for the better. Like, I six months ago, or seven months ago at that point, like, kind of wanted to end I didn't think that we're realistically on the same page anymore even though I tried really hard to 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 fix things I obviously just just didn't and I think I I realized that my life was moving in this direction that brought me a, a hell of a lot more joy and I was in this position where for the first time in a really long time I was really happy like, and it was, even though I was working really hard on this debt thing, every time I paid off and I remember I got like, I, I did a job and it was, I think an hour's worth of work. So I got paid like maybe like after all the tax stuff and all the rest of it, I had like $22 come into my account. I put that straight on my like credit card or whatever it was. And I was like, F yeah, like I put $22 down. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. Like, yeah. and it was liberating to me to finally and, and we just were talking about control to take control of one thing in my life and that was finance so it's like I, I can do this it's, it's just numbers I'm good at that let's just 
Let's just work on it and just slowly, slowly claw our way out of this. And it was completely freeing to be able to do that. When I moved out of that house, I I took my animals, my washing machine, my dryer and my mattress and my clothes, pretty much. I had next to nothing with me. And it was so freeing to, to go and buy sheets for the first time and be like, I can choose whatever sheets I want. I don't care what anyone else thinks. And I still have those sheets. They're on my bed now. I love them to pieces. And I spent, I spent a pretty penny on them. Like I, I spent maybe like $700 on sheets, but like for me, that's, a, that's an investment. They're still on my bed now, like a year and a half later. And they probably still will be for many years to sheets come. Last, good sheets last a long. Good sheets, good bedding, <laughs> pillowcases, mattresses. They, they last a long time. <laughs> they do, and and it was little things like that that started to bring me so much joy. Now I think now with my my financial journey, I have pulled back on how much I do in my business because I was starting to get back to a point of burnout. You, doing a 100 hours a week is not sustainable forever and I am in a really happy relationship now and I wanted to start prioritizing my my mental health more I I go to therapy every week and that's kind of been a promise to myself now that I will will do that for at least 12 months that my priority is is getting myself healed properly like not this half done job of mm-hmm. like, oh, I went to therapy for three months and I'm like, I'm kind of okay, but I'm still a little broken in places. Like I just wanted to, now that I don't need to worry about debt payments, all I need to do is focus on, you know, continuing to pay the rent, put food on like food on the table. I split those expenses with my my now partner very evenly. And again, conversation that was had since learning these lessons. I can focus on those things, on on healing past trauma on doing a, a heap of, of work on myself, focusing on exercising and expenses that I denied myself in the process of paying off this debt and saving money, like, you know, not like a gym membership, but like a swimming membership that I do. Like those are the things that I, I now have the joy of investing my money into, which a lot of people are like, that's not an investment, but your health is 100%. It is, the yeah. best investment that you can ever spend money on because money is never going to buy you more time realistically so and if you're um, sick you can't do anything exactly you can't so, money you can't do anything yeah <laughs> yeah so that's that's how I'm spending my time now and I I do think a big part of it was having a support system around me my my new colleagues that like from the job that I'd started last year knew nothing about this my boss did but like, and it was so embarrassing to tell him, like, because when I accepted the job, I was like, hey, just so you know, like I've broken my arm. I actually had a broken arm in our interview and I didn't tell you because I didn't know if I'd get the job. I might need surgery. So just let's put that potentially in the calendar. And he's like, oh, okay. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, oh yeah, no, my fiance just like broke up with me. And he's like, oh my God, you are drama, aren't you? And I'm like, no, I'm like the least problematic person you'll ever meet. Like, I just want to like get in, work hard and like be done with it. But it was embarrassing for me for like the first month of my job that my boss thought that I was just potentially going to be a problem. And it wasn't until like the 
our Christmas party where I met most of my colleagues because I work from home and work in a different state to most of them as well, where some of them started asking me these questions and someone had made a joke, one of my colleagues, about me having acrylic nails. And he he, he said something along the lines because we were talking about buying houses and whatnot. He's like, well, you know what the first thing you need to do to be able to save for a house is stop getting your nails done every month. And oh, please. I... <laughs> saw red I was like yes. Listen, I, I paid off over thirty thousand dollars you don't know anything about me and still gotten my nails done every month and like at that point I think I had like about 10 10 or so grand saved and I was like and I've got ten thousand dollars saved in the last yes. 11 months my fiance broke up with me I think I'm doing okay with my acrylics on thank you very much thank you and very much <laughs> that's good <laughs> We we are really great friends now, but it was something that was so funny that this was one of the first few converse, like sentences of a conversation I'd had with this man. And obviously he's a fair bit older. He's probably in his mid-50s-ish. Just that that thought, and I, I get a lot anyway being quite young in my industry, that you just you kind of get looked down on a bit in, in some some regards. I think I threw myself into work and that's how I manage my emotions a lot. Now though, it's it's dealing with it with like through therapy and I, I pay close to five hundred dollars a month to to go to therapy every single week. And but I, I'm happy to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. it's something that is kind of I put it off then and then now I really need to deal with it. So everyone does things differently. So yeah. sometimes when the rain really starts to pour. You've got to put your gumboots on and, and stick your umbrella out and get wet and you just you just do what you need to do. But once the rain stops, you then need to dry off and empty out your rain boots and, and figure out life after all that and become stronger from the lessons you've learned. But also, you know, it's it's not it's it's not shameful to to seek help professional help or yeah, or help from friends as well and I think yeah. that's a, a big thing as well is 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 ensuring that you've got that support network whether that is parent or friends or a licensed therapist yeah I agree and those are you know great tips you shared like you know getting your mental health in check like getting your nails done <laughs> Things that are going to help you navigate to a situation. Obviously, when you're paying down debt or you have a big savings goal, you're doing this within reason, right? In the grand scheme of how much you're paying every month, getting your nails done as a way to make you feel happy mentally and emotionally was negligible. And so (laughs) lessons, you got nice sheets. So if you're going through a situation like this, or just any difficult situation, it's important to take care of your mental and emotional health and you have to find your coping mechanism. And sometimes it involves spending money so you can be well, right? Mm. Build it into your budget, build it into your plans in the grand scheme of what it is you're trying to accomplish and be okay with it. And people are going to judge you regardless of where you are in your journey. Like your coworker talking about your nails, they don't know anything about you. Sometimes it's people reflecting their own <laughs> perspectives on you and that's okay sometimes it's people just trying to find ways to put you down because of their own experiences that's also okay half the time it's everything to do with them and nothing to do with you so just sidebar very recently someone saw me somewhere and they were like oh but don't you you know don't you run the personal finance company yes and she's like oh look at your handbag is this how you spend your money and I said yes and we were quiet. And that silence was so uncomfortable for her. 
And I just smiled and I just waited for her to get through that discomfort. Because <laughs> I didn't say another word and it was so awkward. And she said, oh, okay, well, it was, it's nice. So where did you buy it? <laughs> Because yeah, you know nothing about me. You know you don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how hard I work. You don't know what I do. But you know how I spend my money, girl. Please. And, and I think that's the thing I is just... that you can budget anything in. Realistically, you can. Like, and I used to because, like, the nails thing. It was just it was a couple of hours to me every week that I I typically turn my phone off and I didn't have to answer all of my business emails and all the rest of it. And it was something that I really enjoyed. It was like 50 or 60 bucks or something. Like it's, it wasn't a huge expense to me. And I just, I budgeted it in. Like, and I budgeted into my, like my living expenses essentially. So I didn't miss it. And it was something that I used to, to cope in that regard. But like, and the same thing for your handbag, like you've, you've worked hard and you've, budgeted to purchase that I'm sure you didn't leverage debt to to do it so like then there's no problem with doing that you know and I think that's the the big thing of like that being judgy with with money is it's it's not really fair at all to, yeah, to anyone because you don't know exactly. what they do I do find um, that sometimes women are more so judged than men because no one would ever tell your your coworker, oh, you know, to buy your house, you don't buy that expensive watch, don't buy those expensive work shoes. Nobody says that to guys, rarely ever. But with women, people love to judge our appearance and what we have and use that to measure your financial status. I, I don't know what it is about that, but yeah, but Yes, Selena, thank you so much for coming on to share. You are amazing. Congratulations on all of your success. I can't imagine how far you're going to go because you just have this, the sky <laughs> is your limit, right? Before you go, I ask everyone, please tell us what is your Clever Girl superpower? I think my Clever Girl superpower is probably my very cat-like ability to always land on my feet. Mm -hmm. I feel like I keep proving time and time again that whatever life throws at me, simply I can land on my feet as long as I try to. I love that. I love that. And then please tell everyone how they can keep in touch with you. If you have a social media that you want to share, excuse me, if you have a social media that you want to share that we can include in the show notes, please share that. For sure. So you can uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm just Selena Wiseman or on Instagram. Again, Selena Wiseman. I have a pretty uh, unique name. So pretty much always get it on, on the socials. You can find me at any of those places. I don't post a bunch, but I will always respond to, to messages if anyone wants to reach out. Thank you so much, Selena. This has been great. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Paula. It has been an absolute pleasure and an honor to be on your show it's been something I have been dreaming of since I very <laughs> first started listening to you at like 1920 so I'm oh, very wow. <laughs> I am so so grateful I'm so grateful thank you for all of your support thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day Bola thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it if you've loved the episode but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.